Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo. <laughs> Turkey impression. Nikki's was much better than mine. <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't have the exposure to the turkey on the daily. I see the turkey every day. <laughs> Speaking of animals that look weird as fuck. Yes. <laughs> Turkeys look like dinosaurs. Yes. And also, they're so ugly. They are uh, unsightly. They're not great. I do love them, though. And then when they get all puffed up, um, <laughs> I'll explain in a minute. But speaking of animals that are ugly. Yeah. We're doing Annihilation. We're doing Annihilation. (laughs) It sounds so sinister. (laughs) We're doing Annihilation. (laughs) Oh, so when I posted the vote in the Discord, (laughs) I did not think of how it would sound or how it would be shortened when you just get a... chosen Annihilation. I posted, for June, Nikki and I chose Annihilation, so you can choose one of the others. And what you see when it comes up as a push notification is, for June, Nikki and Kate chose Annihilation. (laughs) So it just looks like we're Happy like, Pride. we're done. <laughs> Happy Pride. <sighs> oh, and the reason I know Turkey so well is because I currently have a job with uh, Metro Parks and the training facility. There's just a turkey that just sits outside the door. Being angry at the world. He just screams and he's so mad. And oh my God, I have videos of it. I have to show you. He's so mean. <laughs> but we're doing Annihilation. Annihilation has been I'm chosen. excited. <laughs> Um, I can't wait to do the rating for this because you're going to be like, what? I'm going to be like, yeah, that's right, Kate. Okay. Uh, and just to be clear, before I give my opinion on this, because I feel like I might get roasted, um, I've, I've not read the book. So <laughs> I just want people to understand that like my opinion of this movie is directly for, uh, just for the movie. Yeah. And I, I don't know the book. I want to read it. It looks like it sounds really good, but it's not affecting my opinion on this movie at all just because I don't know it. And I have read the book, but my opinion of the movie is entirely separate from the book. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't, they're just different enough where it's not supposed to be like, this is the book in movie form. It's not that, so I'm ignoring the book. Right. I just didn't want to get roasted for someone to be like, oh, you like the movie? And I'll be like, yeah, okay, well, (laughs) it's good. (laughs) So just to be clear, um, but are you ready for uh, some facts? Yes, yes, yes. I don't have a lot, unfortunately. It's also just just to give everyone a little heads up. It's been a long week. Oh, God, <laughs> Kate, I've yeah. had such a long week. Uh huh. <laughs> it was. We've been busier than anticipated. So the episodes were both kind of like, "Did you finish your notes?" And I'm like, no. "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so a little low energy, but I'm still really excited. Okay, mm-hmm. so Annihilation. It was made in 2018. It is based on the 2014 novel. 2014. Did you hear that? <laughs> I was like, "Time for two. Based on a 2014 novel uh-huh. by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, but as we said, and, I, and we talked about this a little bit before we actually started. This mm-hmm. isn't one of my fun facts. So I'll just say it. Um, when uh, uh, Alex Garland wrote the screenplay for this, he said it was based on like his memory of the book. Mm-hmm. So like what he remembered from it. And with obviously with Jeff Vandermeer's permission, he was like, I want to write it kind of my own way and do my own spin on it and like he was like yeah all right yeah um and he didn't read like the other books in the series because he was like i don't want that to affect how i make this movie and everyone was just chill with it yeah so 
with that in mind, it is based on the novel, but loosely, I loosely. would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was directed by Alex Garland. He also wrote the screenplay. Um, and then he also uh, wrote the screenplay for 28 Days Later. Oh. Which, yeah, we've talked about that one yeah. a little bit. We haven't covered it yet, no. but I do like that one quite a bit. Um, his directorial debut actually was Ex Machina, which we talked about a little bit yeah. before this as well. I really like Ex Machina. It's interesting. Um, so that I did not know that that was the first thing he directed, though. Oh, wow. That's so. a really good movie, and it looks really nice. I'm just... I was like, way to go, man. <laughs> so first one. Um, and then he obviously wrote the screenplay for this. Um, cinematography was Rob Hardy. Uh, he also did Ex Machina. <laughs> You're, there's a theme. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he also uh, did Boy A. I don't know huh. what that is. Um, uh, he also did Is Anybody There? Hmm. The Invisible Woman, Testament of Youth, and then Mission Impossible Fallout. Huh. That was the only one that I, like, knew. Yeah. Which is weird because I've also never actually seen a Mission Impossible movie. Nor I. I just know it. Boy A um, sounds like it would be, like, a sequel to Vivarium. Right? Yeah. yeah. But also, I thought it was a boy, but just put the A uh, behind. But then I was like, like no, it probably style. is Boy A. Yeah. So that's, I don't know it, but that's what it was. And then the music, uh, it's actually two people, but I'll start with the first one, say what he's done, and then to the next. Uh, so we have music by Ben Salisbury. Mm-hmm. I think it's Salisbury? Which like just makes steak. me, yeah, which makes me like a mistake. <laughs> I love that shit when um, I was a kid. Also, surprise, surprise, Ex Machina. Oh, wow. Uh, Men Against Fire, Free Fire, Archive 81, which is actually a really good show. Ooh, it's based on a podcast yes, that I based only on a listen to part of. <laughs> and I, I watched the show on Netflix. It's really good, yeah. which made me really want to listen to the podcast yeah. because I think some things are even better for some reason mm-hmm. in podcasts because then you can kind of, you know, make it up in your head. Yeah. Um, and uh, also did um, Men, which is the newer movie that's coming out by A24, which is also directed by Alex oh, Garland. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, it's it's... Directed by Alex Garland. Huh. And then also, I think the cinematography is Rob Hardy. Music is Ben Salisbury. Incredible. Um, <laughs> the team, the gang's all here. <laughs> um, oh, so as well as Ben Salisbury, the music was also by uh, Jeff Barrow. Mm-hmm. He also did Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is that um, oh, documentary about... Mm-hmm, yeah. Banksy. It premiered at Sundance, and apparently the music's great. I don't know. Huh. But uh, he also did Ex Machina! <laughs> and Free Fire. <laughs> so it seems like Ben Salisbury and Ex... Or Ex- and Jeff Barrow, like, have also worked together yeah. on other things. Like, okay. it's not just movies. Um, I kind of looked it up. They do other things together, too. So, big old team here. Really like to work together. They have, like, at parties, a little ex machina corner. Right? And they're like, you can't come. <laughs> you can't. This is an ex machina party. Yeah. I just love that they really were like, I like this gang. What yeah. if we kept this going, guys? I think we're vibing. I think we're really vibing. <laughs> what if we made, like, another movie? Like, <laughs> What if we... Just if... kidding. Unless... Unless... <laughs> I just... What if we made, like, a little freaky movie? <laughs> you want to be freaks? <laughs> um, okay, so the budget it was... Again, it did that weird thing where it's two mm-hmm. numbers. I think it has, like you've mentioned before, it has something to do with, like, the publicity after yeah. they make it. So I think the budget for the movie itself was about $40 million. Huh. Um, But it's 40 to $55 million. Okay. So somewhere in between there. Uh, do you know how much it made? I mean, it has Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. Isaac Oscar? Uh, Oscar? Which one is it? Isaac Oscar? Oscar? It's a first name, last name situation. This isn't even a face. You just didn't even know. What's his name? Oscar Isaac. Oh my God. This is like when I was going to say Tony Shalhoub. I was like, say it. Kate, say Tony Shalhoub. (laughs) 
Arthur? Arthur? And I was like, say that is okay. Him. In my defense, Oscar and Isaac are both first names. You're right with this. Yes, you were okay. correct. Anyway, I had Natalie Portman and Isaac. <laughs> Oscar Isaac, yes, it did have him. <laughs> so I think just by star power alone, it would have to make its money back. I'm going to say $50 million. You're not that far off. Okay. It only made $43.1 million worldwide. Okay. I'm closer than so, I have been lately. <laughs> yeah, so I, when I read about it, it was saying like uh, the, the reception of the movie wasn't necessarily like bad or anything, but it was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Um, but then once it had its like... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's premiere like at home. Like mm-hmm, once you could mm-hmm. like stream it and rent it and stuff, that's when it kind of like skyrocketed. And yeah. People were like, this is very good. Um, I think it's just a movie that people didn't see in theaters because they probably didn't know much about they it unless it like, you knew the yeah. movie, like the book. And it probably looks kind of like weird. And it yeah. looks like an art house film, I guess. Like, it, it does. Looks niche. It has like a, oh, that's one of those like artsy movies, yeah. you know, that you're like, I'm not in the mood for that. Yeah. I feel like you have to be in the mood to see a more artsy film because I get it. Sometimes I just want to see beautiful garbage i just want to see butt dirt you know <laughs> sometimes i just want butt dirt yeah. so you know i can see why people probably didn't flock to the theaters to see it mm-hmm. um but you know a lot of bird things i said flock and i'm, I'm thinking of turkeys um but i can understand turkeys that the so then because like i also watched it at home i worked at a movie theater and still didn't go see it because i was like eh, i'll see it later and then once i watched it at home i was like fuck because <laughs> like, it's so good <laughs> I think it came out after I read the book. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time with time. Well, the book was 2014. Yeah. So. I just, I don't remember if I read the book because I saw there was going to be a movie oh. or if I read the book and then the movie came out. I see. And I was like, I don't want to see it because I read the book because I am that way. Until someone <laughs> tells me that it's very much not based on the book mm-hmm. or it's like considered a separate piece. Honestly, that makes me feel better. I yeah. feel better when movies are really good, but yes. also not necessarily based on the book that like... It's it's worse when they're like, oh no, like it really is inspired by the book, and then it's just bad. <laughs> you mean Percy Jackson, The Olympians? Don't even get me thief? started. I have I have a movie that I think is one of the worst adaptations of all time, and that's Ready Player One. Uh, that is a fucking horrible movie. Yeah. If you like the movie, I'm sorry. I'm sure if you've not read the book, it's a really interesting movie. But I feel like they were really. Uh, we're I have not read it, or but... seen it. Uh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first 70 millimeter print that I accidentally dropped. So. <laughs> Take, Take that. that. <laughs> I remember feeling so bad because I was like, oh no, this is a good book. Like, oh, I ruined the movie. And then I watched it and I was like, you know what? I should have dropped it harder. Yeah. Like, I wish I would have dropped it more. Yeah. Fucking stupid book. All right. But here's, uh, here's my facts. It's not a lot. There, for some reason, just wasn't a lot about filming, which I was kind of bummed about because I was expecting some like really cool facts about the effects. Nope. Uh, so it was filmed in Holcomb Pines. Uh, which was a very small village um, in North Norfolk, so in England. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they tried to do it in Florida originally, but the the foliage, like the the trees and everything, were so dense yeah. that they were like, no, it just didn't work. Like they couldn't get the shots that they wanted, so they eventually like moved. Um, I believe they tried somewhere else before that as well, but I think it was like a similar issue where it just mm-hmm. didn't look quite right. So they eventually did this, and it seems like it took like a month to shoot there. Um, they obviously did like shooting in other locations as well, but the month that they shot in like North Norfolk was really just a month. Awesome. <laughs> is that impressive? Yeah. This feels like a movie where it would have taken forever. I don't know why. 
I guess not. They're not in the woods that long, but there's something about it that makes me feel like it would take a long time. I feel like, I know this isn't how it happens, but I'm picturing someone being like, I don't have the lens flare right yet. Right? Hold on, Natalie. Like, Natalie, don't move. Like... <laughs> Find your light, Natalie. Why Find are we your pitching light? Natalie as just this wily woman who's like, ah, I guess it's still. Like, she's like, ah. catch me. <laughs> and they're like, Natalie, please, we can't keep doing this. And she's like, oh, ah. <laughs> Natalie Portman is the world's like peekaboo champion. And she's just always behind trees. I learned this one from Black Swan. Oh. <laughs> I absolutely love this picture we've painted of a woman we've never met. Never will meet. But it's probably a very professional actress. It's probably incredible. Yeah. And we're over here like, she hides behind trees and no one can catch her. She jump she's scares slippery. the camera crew. <laughs> Natalie Portman, I'm sorry. Will you be a guest? <laughs> so we can actually tell how slippery you really are. Oh. That sounded gross. I meant because she's wily. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Okay. And then to get down to a serious note, Kate, yes. it's a serious, shut up. <laughs> uh, the movie did get criticized. We talked about this a little bit for whitewashing yeah. characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, which if you haven't read the book, obviously you would probably have no idea. Um, Cause it does have people of color in it. And honestly, I remember being like, wow, I'm surprised that not every single person in this is white. Mm-hmm. But then the two people that are, are not supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, I think both, one was indigenous, half mm-hmm. indigenous, which would be the, the psychologist. psychologist. And then Natalie Portman's character is of Asian descent. Yes. So interesting that they were like, all right, all right, let's make sure that we get, you know, let's like represent a lot of people in this. And then they were like, but not these two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't get it. Wait, Why? But those are my facts. Yeah. Not a lot, unfortunately. But we'll get to it. I've got notes. I'm tired. Oh, you're tired, Kate. Bitches, I can't stop give crawling. Bitches, you... <laughs> stop crawling. <laughs> I can't. I have to. I know. I know what it's time for, and uh-huh. I'm stalling yeah. because I'm like, this movie's uh-huh. weird. <clears throat> a rainbow sphere that pops out of a lighthouse <laughs> uh, makes animals turn into other animals. Yeah, not wrong. I mean. You know, yeah. That's not that. It's, it a, spo- it's, I'm, it's supposed to be a mystery. Okay, it sounds kind of like the uh, Spy Kids Weird Island. <laughs> I've accidentally talked about Spy Kids. <laughs> Do you know that movie where it makes the animals turn to the... Oh, you mean Spy Kids? Kids yeah. No, I meant Annihilation. <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl, got it. <laughs> Notoriously, Annihilation uh-huh. and Spy Kids. I think one yeah. did actually uh, inspire the other. Yeah. So... I'd say Go it's ahead like and jot that down. 50% Vandermeer and 50% Spy Kids. Yes, yeah. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead and jot it down as fact because I yes. think that's true. I'll go yeah. ahead and update the wiki. Okay, good. So that's, give me the real one. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's Spy Kids related. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. Fuck! Rotten Tomatoes has disappointed you again. Obviously. Take that down. <laughs> Lena. A biologist and former soldier joins a mission to uncover what happened to her husband inside Area X. A sinister and mysterious phenomenon that is expanding across the American coastline. Once inside, the expedition discovers a world of mutated landscapes and creatures, as dangerous as it is beautiful, that threatens both their lives and their sanity. Yeah, that's like what I said. Exactly. <laughs> it makes animals turn into other animals. Yes. The word was mutated. That was implied. Mm-hmm. So you don't always have to say what you're thinking, Rotten Tomatoes. Sometimes you can just dance around the line. So. The sanity <laughs> called subtly reading in between the lines. I'm roasting them. I feel so bad. 
No, I don't. Um, okay, you actually told me what you were covering in Nerd Corner mm-hmm. and literally said a word that I've never heard in my life. So still a fun surprise for me. <laughs> he was like, I'm covering this. And then looked me in the eye and said it. And I went, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and she went, I'll define it. And I was like, yeah, thank God. Uh, so what is it? Anthropocene. I'm going to break it down. Don't worry. Say it slower. Anthropocene. Anthropocene. Yeah. It comes from the Greek root anthropos. <laughs> it sounds like throw piss. <laughs> I was like, what could you take from this word? Throat piss is what you could take. Anthropocene. I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay. Go on and talk about it's my job to ruin everything for you. Come on, more throat piss. <laughs> piss, girl. <laughs> I love that It's one of my favorites. Yep. Okay, no more piss. <clears throat> what is it, for well, real? Okay, so, as I was watching this film, I kept thinking of a class that I took in grad school. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the class was called, but <laughs> we focused on the Anthropocene, or as some people call it, the Anthropocene. It just oh. kind of depends, like, so where you, you place you the emphasis. If you had said that, I would have known it. Oh, I, I know the Anthropocene, like, the back of my hand. There you go. Uh, but I decided to go with the Anthropocene because that mm-hmm. honors the uh, Greek. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Like, emphasis. Now I feel bad for calling it pants, so. I mean, in ancient Greek, it doesn't say, it doesn't have the piscine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I feel better. <laughs> And it should be Anthropocene. It, that's how it's spelled, but mm, when you okay. say it fast, it's Anthropocene. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I couldn't fall asleep last night, and one of the reasons was because I couldn't remember what the last syllable of a word is called. Uh, and so if there's a word with three syllables or more... It's called the second half. <laughs> <laughs> is that not it? No. Oh, that's weird. Uh, so the last syllable is the ultima. Oh. The uh, second to last syllable is the penult. And the third to last syllable is the antipenult. Cool. Yeah. So in ancient Greek, you have to, like, there are rules on where mm-hmm. to place the, like, mark to show emphasis. Oh, yeah. And in anthropos, it is on the alpha. So that is the emphasized word. For show. For show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just, I just had to pull that in, you know? I just had to know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> this class was focused on the Anthropocene with a special focus on work from decolonial academics. Mm-hmm. I am not an expert on decolonial theory or lit. And I really don't Why think, not? right? <laughs> I really don't think it would no, ever okay. be appropriate for a white person to say that they're yeah. an expert in decolonizing. <laughs> <laughs> so just not going to do that. <laughs> I do. Bold. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a real trailblazer. I mean, you say it's bold, you know, it'd be bad if someone did. You know people would. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, me? <laughs> I can just picture A white man. Too. I'm an expert on Actually, feminist decolonial theory. Oh God, get the fuck out. No. <laughs> a straight man. Queer feminist decolonial theory. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so I'm not going to say that I no. understand it super well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do want to touch upon some of the things that I learned from some of the theorists and writers that we read. Okay. So first off, what is the Anthropocene? Yes. So in simplest terms, mm-hmm. it's an unofficial geologic epoch, E-P-O-C-H. It looks like epoch. Oh, yeah. But I did a goog and it says epic. Okay. I almost said epoch and I'm really glad I didn't. I would have said epoch. You're not alone. Because Google told me that I was wrong. Google was like, you idiot. Be like, we're trying to help you. Google's so mean. Just really sassy sometimes. So it's an unofficial geologic epic that describes the time period that we are currently in. Oh, okay. Anthropocene has been proposed as a new epic because of the Greek root, Greek root anthropo, mm-hmm. which means human. And the reason for potentially adding a new epic and distinguishing it from the current one is uh, to note the impact of human activity on 
geology, climate, life in general. Interesting. Okay. We're currently in the Holocene. If you don't say the Anthropocene is like an epic, then yeah. the official epic that we are in is the Holocene. Okay. Um, it's not officially recognized, obviously. So one of the reasons that it's not officially recognized is that there isn't an agreement on when it began. Oh. So when does one epic end and another begin? Right. And for geology, generally you'd look for something measurable in the fossil record. Most of the folks in the Anthropocene Working Group placed the beginning, also called the Golden Spike, sometime in the 1950s. Oh. And the Anthropocene Working Group is actually, like, really pushing to have it, like, registered. Not registered, yeah. but, like, officially accepted. Some people are like, well, you could call it a geologic event, but it's not a geologic epic. So there's just a, a lot of disagreement across, but it still is a term that you can use to talk about. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a direct quote. The committee's current plan is to look to the legacy of the atomic age, when radioactive debris from mid-20th century nuclear bomb blasts left a fingerprint of radioisotopes in the atmosphere, rocks, trees, and even humans. There's a big bomb spike somewhere between 1952 and 1954 that is quite distinct and unmistakable. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So the first atomic bomb, Mm -hmm. like, was 1945, I think. think. And, um... Like, the testing and everything. So, like, there is... You can see it in the geologic right. record that there were atomic bombs. Which is why they're saying that the epic could potentially start there. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, popping the golden spike in the 1950s is pretty popular. Like, I'd yeah. say that is the one that has the most traction. Because that's when they can find easily identifiable proof of human activity within the geologic and organic record. Yeah. Like, you can see it in human tissue. Uh, the 1950s is also known as the Great Acceleration, which was, quote... A vast transformation after the Second World War when the growing population began consuming resources and creating completely new materials at an exponential rate, eclipsing even the Industrial Revolution. All that activity poured unprecedented amounts of persistent organic pollutants into the environment, ramped up the rate of animal extinctions, and created geological features that had never existed before. The 50s were fucking wild, though. Oh, yeah. Hot damn. Yeah. So there are some decent reasons to place it in the yeah. middle of the 20th century. But some folks will place the Golden Spike in the 1800s when the Industrial Revolution began. Okay. But how does placing the Golden Spike in the 1950s or the 1800s universalize the onus of climate change? Mm-hmm. When we say we're living in anthropogenic climate change, i.e. there's a measurable impact of human activity on the climate, are we saying that all humans bear the same amount of responsibility? If so, that's inaccurate. <laughs> So some folks will place the golden spike in 1610, the, be- the beginning of the colonial period and the escalation of the transatlantic slave trade. Oh. So this would more squarely place the responsibility on white colonialism and point out that indigenous folks have lived in right relation with the earth for tens of thousands of years without contributing to the warming of the entire planet. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just pointing this out for you. Uh, but basically one of the biggest things that we covered in like mm-hmm. the early weeks of this class was that to say it's anthropogenic climate change is to basically just say like all humans have caused the same amount of harm Mm -hmm. which is not true because it's white wealthy countries that are causing the most harm yeah and we're the ones that are not like the people that are putting the most amount of pollutants into the atmosphere in the world are Mm -hmm. not the ones that are going to face the impacts first right and it's like there's something i think it's in florida i mean it's everywhere along the coastlines but like the gentrified areas it used to be that people of color couldn't afford to live on the coast Mm -hmm. and they had to live further inland. But as the threat of seawater rise is getting more aggressive, the wealthy people are abandoning the coasts in some cases. And now the only place that people of color can afford to live is in a place that will be underwater in years. Yeah. 
Yeah, that so. and I'm sure the red like red tide also oh, has to be God. fucking with that because yeah. that also gets fucked up because of pollution and all that. And I'm sure it yeah drove people away. That's wild. Yeah. So <clears throat> there are folks that say placing a single spike, saying mm-hmm. like the golden spike, which is the beginning. Right. They say that that erases the acts of everyday violence. So when it's not a big discrete event, it becomes invisible to the privileged masses, but it adds up. Right. So that theory or like that train of thought is pulled from uh, Catherine Yusoff's A Billion Black Anthropocenes or None. Mm-hmm. Anthropocenes, sorry. Um, <laughs> and that that is a radically oversimplified version of that text. But it's, yeah. a, it's a very dense text. <laughs> it's a short one, but it's I'm very. Sure. God damn, that was hard to read because it was just like very yeah. dense and academic. But it had like really, really good points, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't feel comfortable saying that I'm providing a good summary of it. <laughs> So regardless of where you place the spike, or if you say it's even possible or desirable to do so, when we look at the burden of responsibility now, we can't place equal weight upon the wealthy living in extravagance, 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 <laughs> living in extravagance and waste, and folks in low-resource nations. Yeah. And that's another, like, that phrasing, it used to be called, like, underdeveloped countries or developing countries, and that's, like, yeah. a really shitty way of looking at it and so you could say like low resource or under resourced yeah but that's also not looking at the fact that we have stolen resources or right. that we've destabilized economies so i don't know of like what term is best right but countries that don't have the same amount of like wealth that we operate under or the same amount of like waste that we produce right. <laughs> So there are obviously issues and nuances when we talk about human-caused climate change Mm -hmm. or climate change that is impacted by human activity. But generally, the purpose of saying that we're in a new geological epoch called the Anthropocene is to point out that industrial and capitalist activity has created measurable negative impacts on the planet. Yeah. So this is the general framework in which I want to consider annihilation. Okay. We are living in a world that has been radically changed by human activity and extraction. When species are disappearing, invasive species are multiplying, how do we relate to nature? We have a way of separating ourselves from nature and considering ourselves as like wholly distinct, like man versus nature, like yeah. they're not part of the same thing. So we often say that we're not connected to it. And that's a very white colonial mindset. We see the landscape for what it can be or for what can be extracted from it, not for how we can operate in sustainable relation with it. Right. And we see ourselves as actors upon it as something that can manipulate it for a gain. So when lots of people were in early COVID lockdown, mm-hmm. we had those nature is healing. We are the virus posts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nature's healing. <laughs> and from my understanding, the ones that weren't obviously satire were debunked and the rest were like a giant rubber duck in the Thames or lime scooters in another river. <laughs> <laughs> the scooters are returning. Nature's, Nature's healing. healing. We are the virus. We are. <laughs> those are my favorite. Like I just those love going so through good. them. There's another one with like a dildo square in the middle of the river. Yes. We're just going to put a lot of those in the extension. We're just going to have to put yeah. so many of them. Oh, for sure. So uh, while that was by and large debunked or just straight up right. sarcasm and satire, we did have a moment where some people were maybe seriously considering that we are a force that acts harmfully upon nature. Yeah. And our absence could improve things. <laughs> maybe if we stayed what if home. We just left, guys? <laughs> what if we just... Peaced out. So enter annihilation. Yeah. There are repeated... (laughs) Annihilation? Some annihilation for I know you have some annihilation. (laughs) So there are repeated cancer motifs. Yeah. And which some folks would tie to anthropogenic climate change of like, we are a cancer upon the world. We are the virus in the ecosystems. Right. But there's also a lack of maliciousness in the shimmer. So Lena says she doesn't even think it knew that she was there. 
And the film is loosely based on the book, and the book was inspired by Vandermeer's hikes in Florida. Oh. Yeah. Which is why they probably tried filming it in Florida, because right. it was that based on sense. his, like, 14-mile hikes that he used to go on. Yeah. So I have a long-ass quote from a thing that he gave about okay. the book. So I think there are so many limiting ways humans think about nature. Some of us think of nature as there to be exploited. Others think of us as being stewards of something more primitive than we are. Still others are enraptured by talking mice in movies and think animals actually might act that way, or are enamored of the romanticism of animals in folktales. Whereas in fact, we live on an alien planet filled with incredibly sophisticated organisms that we only partially understand. The fact that we only know now that plants engage in quantum mechanics during photosynthesis, or that sunfish and the albatross have a complex symbiotic relationship, shows that our so-called smartphones and other advanced technology is incredibly dull and primitive next to the diversity and intensity of other life on Earth. And so whereas a lot of weird sci-fi seems to be about nature as this threatening other, I wanted to explore something else. All of these thoughts about nature, and how if we're going to set ourselves apart from it as if we're not hip deep in it, lead me to desire to someday edit a weird, weird nature anthology, given that the more we find out about our world, the stranger it appears to be, and more complex. Someday, perhaps, we'll normalize the strangeness in our heads and cherish it. We may even be forced to do so by the circumstances of our own poor stewardship of the planet. We may be forced to imagine the world without human beings on it in order to arrive at a point of view that allows us to continue to live on it sustainably. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So That's again, neat. yeah, <clears throat> as we talked about, the movie is only loosely based on the book. Right. And uh, one of the articles did say it was like based on the memory of the book. <laughs> right. So it captured like broad swaths, the plot and intent, but not like specific characters, locations, whatever. Mm -hmm. So in the movie, we have a landscape that ignores the supposed boundaries between plants, animals, and human lives. Right. It doesn't know of boundaries, like borders it's like, who. We are all just one yeah. big. <laughs> it refracts everything back. It's so like, cool. oh, a human hawk's gene? Okay, let's add some plants to it. Oh, so cool. So it's combining, mutating, growing, but it's not malicious. It's just change. And yeah. that brought me back to a chapter written by Anna Lohenhauptzing, uh, quote, uh, or the title of the chapter. I don't remember the chapter of the book. I'll put it in my extended show notes. Mm -hmm. A threat to Holocene resurgence is a threat to livability. Oh. So in this chapter, she makes a distinction that I found compelling. So much so that as I was watching this movie, mm -hmm. I was like frantically trying to remember the terms that she used. And all I could remember was proliferation, but I could not remember resurgence. <laughs> So this writing really gave me an understanding of how we can separate out invasive growth from like positive growth mm -hmm. that's like renewing. So like kudzu taking over an entire ecosystem is right. abundance mm -hmm. of organic matter, but abundance is often made to seem universally positive. Right. But abundance isn't always good. No. <laughs> An abundance of fossil fuels. <laughs> so uh, just look at the cane toads in Australia, one of the worst invasive species on the planet. <laughs> So she divides it into growth that is sustainable and renewing and positive and that which is unsustainable and damaging. Yeah. Resurgence is the multi-species assemblages or communities that don't operate in competition, but in mutual benefit and growth. Mm -hmm. So like when you have a forest fire, the seed pods that are deposited then open up and sprout for the ashes. They regrow a forest. Yeah. And it's more than the trees. It's fungus, bacteria, ground cover, plants, birds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be ground cover plants, but I was like, ground cover and plants, like, they're totally separate. <clears throat> so <laughs> in direct opposition to that resurgence, we have something that she calls plantation ecology, mm -hmm. and that's when we augment the land to create future wealth. So we clear cut the land or fields for the same crop, or no, we clear cut the land for fields of the same crop because it's lucrative. 
and we uh, historically and currently enslave so people. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so there isn't a balance of cover crops or rotation. There's no like silvopasture livestock or anything. It foregrounds the creation of assets. Yeah. And this is proliferation. So when you clear cut an entire ecosystem that has been in balance, invasive species have more room to take over or your actual like intentional sowing of certain crops in the land will take over. Yeah. So that's proliferation. Yeah. When we think about ecologies working together or a singular organism snuffing out other potential competitors, how do we factor in the strange ecology of the shimmer? Because the humans in the film have backstories like replete with isolation and self-destruction. And the shimmer doesn't self-destruct until Lena shows it how, and it yeah. mirrors that action, that impulse. That, yeah. So in an era of extreme weather events, droughts, wildfires, climate refugees, what does it mean to look at this alien nature that is changing the world around it, harming us in the process, but not doing so intentionally? Right. Where do we see ourselves reflected? <laughs> is it a true mirror, or is it a distortion of our worst impulses? Is it entirely separate from us? The framework offered by Anna Lonehop Singh wasn't likely meant to map resurgence or proliferation into annihilation. Right. But how do we see ourselves in relation to the shimmer? How could it feel like a climate change movie? Mm. And where are humans? <laughs> mm. Like, do we see the shimmer as something malevolent when it's clearly not, but it is going to take over our natural world? Right. That's what yeah. makes this movie so interesting. And uh, One, that was great, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> that was... So I was like enthralled to the point where I could not speak. Usually I'm like, yeah, I'll do some riffing. I'll joke. And for this, I was like, okay, go yeah. on. I couldn't. Like, I was so interested. I'm always interested, but this one got me. Okay. I say that all the time. Um, but it's so interesting because I don't feel like there's a clear villain in this one. No. Which is. So That's one of the tropes. No antagonist. Yeah. Because like, I mean, and I think I'm. I can picture another movie that's somewhat similar. Okay, I'm going to say that this movie is similar and everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? I and you're you. like, no. But I, in a way, it sort of is. So have you ever heard of the movie Little Joe? Yeah. 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 You, we watched it. Yeah, well, you recommended it to me and then I watched it. But yeah, it's about like a plant yeah. that basically you've taken it out of like its environment and you've made it like, um, basically just like it has no thing to fight like it, it's just thriving it's on its own whatever but it has those instincts to like fight in a way and like to survive and to keep growing that's it they, they make it so it can't reproduce yeah so they they create this plant that can't reproduce but it finds a way to do it on its own mm -hmm. um through like humans and making humans fall in love with this plant the minute they see it wanting to grow more i think it's really interesting i would consider it horror just in the fact that like it's messing with your brain and you have no way to tell if you've been affected by it or not. And yeah. I think that's really scary. Um, but it reminds me of this because there's no villain. It is just like something trying to survive the way that it knows how to survive. And that's what this thing is kind of doing is like this alien was just like, I don't know, like this yeah. is what is right to me. Um, and I love movies like that. So when you were talking about the plants and everything, it made me think of that movie. And I was like, dang, I just love movies that are like, there's no villain. It's just something doing what it knows to do. Yeah. And it's just different than what we know. All it's doing is creating and like... Because they say that in the matching. Yeah. They're like, oh, it was destroying. And they're like, it wasn't destroying. It was just making something new. Yeah. Because it was. It was just taking something that we already had and just changing it. And um, obviously that was fucking stuff up. But it didn't know that. So that's interesting. Like your DNA is fine, but what if we had flowers? Right? Like, <laughs> and honestly, part of me was like... What if? When Josie <laughs> is just like, I'm going to be a flower person now. It's like, okay. That is one of I my, support you. we'll get to it. I have, Kate, okay, I cannot wait. Okay. 
I'm excited. We're you don't have to wait. The time's now. <laughs> I know. My notes are just like all over and I watched this. Um, I will say right now, if you're going to watch this and like you're going to pause this and go watch it, watch it with headphones. Did you, how did you watch it? Okay. So I got my little like portable mm-hmm. stereo. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do that because sometimes I get headaches from headphones. Yes. And so Which I is did fair. not listen with headphones. I, will I thought s- I should have. I do the same thing. I don't watch things with headphones, especially if it's something I've already seen or if it's something where I don't think the sound design is like the most important part yeah. of a movie. Um, and it's not that I thought that the sound design in this was the most important part until I watched it with my headphones and I was like, oh, oh, I usually am all pumped about lights and I'm really excited about like, um, cinematography. But for this one, I'm truly just going to gush about the sound the whole time. (laughs) Cause I had like one, one thought about it. So this is exciting. Ah, so many. (laughs) Once it gets to the lighthouse, do you want to know what I summarize the sounds as? Yes. Womps and blutes. God, I love the waiter. <laughs> You're beautiful. I was like sitting there. I was like, I have to go fast. I have to keep up. And I was like, what does this sound like? Womp. What's it sound like? Blute. Womp and blutes. I mean, honestly, that is not that on un- that not unaccurate. That's not that wild. Yes, thank you. It's like womp blute. <laughs> thank you. It's good. I feel um, better now. I'm basically just gonna go down most of my notes because. Mm-hmm. I want to try to justify my rating at the end <laughs> and I want to get all of my thoughts out so people know why I love this so much. Okay. So my first thing is uh, the way it starts with the interview is great. Yeah. I love the interview in the beginning because I think it sets a good tone and it makes you want to know what happened um, like desperately I feel like because it just sounds so weird and then I don't know like more things happen before obviously you know what the shimmer even is but it just made me like mad i was like i need to know now like i've never wanted a movie to get to the good part so fast yeah i didn't want to savor it at all i was like hurry up um so good and then of course immediately the music is so good (laughs) uh it weirdly fits even though it kind of feels like it shouldn't so like this movie had the weirdest mix of like blutes and womps and and blutes as they are called yes you know and like those folksy uh, yes i want to say like cliche almost like sci-fi sounds you kind of get but then it was mixed with like the music you would find in like a a zombie apocalypse you know what i mean it had very like the last of us vibes where it's kind of like you know there's nothing left and this is just you know what we've got yeah because they're like hiking and you have like the kind of like twangy almost like almost like i think 60s 70s kind of music um which i think is also supposed to be like something that's important in their relationship and like carries through. Cause they do listen to that song that kind of you hear multiple times mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be like, we listen to it when we're happy. I listen to it when I want to think of you. And also like, I'm hearing it when I'm cheating and you know, it's, it's good, but it was just so weird, but it fit like the whole time I was listening, I was like, okay, this is the weirdest mix of music, but I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I my next note was, oh, shit, <laughs> I forgot that he comes home. Uh, so if you haven't watched it, spoilers, by the way, we're going to ruin everything. Yeah. You should have watched it. Yeah. Um. So Oscar Isaac's character is Lena's husband. I think Lena. You I took Oscars. Stop it. You're going <laughs> to. I'm dyslexic, so that's unfair. I will genuinely fuck it up. <laughs> Oscar Isaac's character, Kane. I remembered names this time, hey. sort of. So Kane comes home and. I was, I forgot completely that he comes home. One. Two, I forgot he comes home and doesn't remember like anything. Mm-hmm. 
So that freaked me out. I was outside the room with the bed. Oh, yes. He freaked me out immediately. Um, The music doesn't slow or get quiet when she's listening to that song. And that freaked me out too. Like when they're talking and he's like, I was looking for you, blah, blah, blah. And she's hugging him and he's kind of like emotionless in that moment. The music is just like blasting. Like, and it's just wild because yeah. I think it is supposed to be like a record, which we- and It's diegetic. Diegetic. So it's diegetic sound. So it's supposed to be actually happening. So she obviously didn't turn it off. Yeah. But in those moments, I feel like in a lot of movies, you'll get like dampened sound to be like, oh, see, we're really focusing on this moment. But in this, they were just like, no, it's blaring. And it made it feel extra weird. Yeah. Because it's like, it's this song that means a lot to them, sort of. And he just doesn't react at all. And I just loved it. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a while. Sorry. <laughs> we're getting there. Again, the background sounds and the foley. It said it creates a spooky ambience that I love. Um, when it mixes with that subtle music, I think it just makes like an ongoing amb- like uh, atmosphere that just you feel like you can't get out of. So it's like the sounds and the foley create the atmosphere, but then the music brings you back into like, oh, this is a movie. So it just, I don't know. feels weird. I love it. Before I keep going, any thoughts and notes? For- <laughs> I feel like I'm going to ramble with this one and I'm preparing you now. <laughs> no, I love it. Because I'm so sorry. I have not felt this wild about a movie since Gremlins. Oh my God. I know. I, when we suggested this movie, I forgot how much I like it. So I was uh, like, oh, poor Kate. <laughs> I, I'm going to go feral. No, my thought was like, basically when it had that like kind of folksy mm-hmm. music, I was like, that feels really weird for a sci-fi film. Yes. And then I was like, oh, because we're building to that. And yeah. so it took me a while to like see if I felt settled in that music where it's like, do I feel like this fits? And like looking back over the mm-hmm. arc of the movie, yeah. <laughs> But in yeah. the moment, I was like, do I, did I? And I'm like, no, 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 let them do their thing. I have a note um, towards the end about the sound that I really like, but I'll get a little bit into it now, is that it feels like it's supposed to mimic what's happening. So it's like uh, our world, which is like this music that we know, and it feels familiar. And then it's the world that we don't understand, where it's just sounds that's something like music but it's just not yeah and so like they're playing at the same time it feels like it is that refraction so it's like is this normal is it not but it feels so similar so it's like i should feel comfortable in this but something is making me uneasy um so maybe i'm looking too deep into it but that's just how i took it is that like you've got these two very very different i almost want to say genres even though it is just like sound effects but you've got these two very different genres just melding and like it says in the movie, it's not messing it up. It's not destroying it. It's just making something new. And I was like, hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> I went feral, Kate. <laughs> I'm still feral. <laughs> I said, it feels like a dystopian zombie movie meets like alien horror. Ooh. And it just felt so good. Like, cause they have the guns. They have this world that's not populated by people, but it's populated by something that can hurt you. It felt dystopian. Yeah. But not like, it was just so good. Don't worry, we're getting into it. Again, the music. (laughs) My notes are really rough. So good. Um, I said uh, Paddock, or Raddock, sorry. Raddock being pulled into the hut scared the fuck out of me. Yeah, yeah. That was my second scariest moment. Is it? Okay, Mm -hmm. that was one of mine too. Um, It's so calm. And then she just, (laughs) she's gone. So this movie had a lot of like 
really, really tense, like what's going to happen moments. And then it had a lot of jump scares that really fucking got me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also the sound of the alligator. Hated it. Yeah. It sounded like a million animals in one, which I know is the point. But oh my God, was it scary. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ugh. So whoever did the sound design. <laughs> I just want to talk. Yeah. I'm going to kidnap the person who did the sound design and just interrogate them and be like, what was it? <laughs> Give me the answer. It's a very like papyrus moment. I'm having a papyrus moment where I just want to have a conversation. I'm not okay. Like, Come out, coward. We just want to talk. Come out. <laughs> I'm going to go to his home and just be like, tell me. And he's going to tell you what. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> Listen. It's more. It's more sound. No, wait. Here's one. I love the camera angle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said the one from inside the alligator's mouth is amazing. Because uh, then they let go of the alligator's mouth. And all of a sudden, all the sound is very dampened. Almost like you expect it to do with the record. And then it doesn't. So it's oh, it's great. They dampen the sound. And it makes it feel like you're trapped inside that alligator. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> As you like shiver smiling. I hate I it. I hate it. <laughs> Um, again, my next note, the music, <laughs> the things moving inside of his body in that part, oh, the writhing intestines. Yeah. So like, yeah. if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a, we're getting to the parts where they've now found like the uh, army base. Yeah. The army base. And it's like a camera left from the crew that went before them, which would be Lena's husband, Kane. Um, and it shows like them opening his body and all of his insides are just moving like snakes they almost. Squirming. They squirming. Oh. I call it uh, shimmer squirms. Shimmer squirms. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are shimmer know. splits and shimmer squirms. Oh, well, we I know what it's going to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shot that down, folks. <laughs> you got it on your bingo card that Kate gets the name immediately. The rating scales just... <laughs> How do you always get them so good? I sit here and I'm like, oh, alligators. And you're like, shimmer squirms. <laughs> you little freak. <laughs> but... Uh, that part with the, the insides and the music and like everything about it freaked me the fuck out. I think the music is just, like I said, it's just, it almost doesn't feel like it is music. It's got the, the what is it? Uh, diegetic? No, no, no. Right. The, 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 the bumps and the bumps. Oh, whatever. Womps and bloops. Womps and bloops. Yeah. It's got bloops. those. Bloops. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend. <laughs> I mean, I'll recover. It's got womps and bloops and it feels, um, <laughs> wild like it it feels wompy and bloody it feels wompy and bloody you know i'm almost done we're almost there kate i swear oh my god no you can take more time (laughs) okay and i also said uh the growing mold on the wall that moved and grew out of his body it's so pretty and horrifying i okay it's just a side thing yeah i went outside to check my flowers yeah and i have mulch oh my god i saw this on your instagram (laughs) it's called like Dog vomit, dog vomit fungus, basically. Like that's oh, yeah, like a colloquial. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it looks foamy and it's like this pale yellow color. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a tinge of green, and so it looks like a dog vomed on your yard, yeah. basically. But it is just a fungus that comes from like moist mulch. Yeah. And it, so I called my. I just I posted it to my Instagram story first. So that's what you do first. That's what you do. And I was like, I watched Annihilation yesterday. This feels. I uh, know. I I read uneasy. that. I was like, run. <laughs> yeah. And so I called mm. my dad. Well, I sent him a picture. And I was like, what is this? And he called me and he said, go poke it with a stick. And I was like, what? I saw your thing. You're like four pokes in and it's still. <laughs> <laughs> he said, 
uh, if when you poke it, it deflates, I know exactly what it is, and it's totally benign. And right. so, like, while I'm on the phone, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go find a stick. And I poke it, and he's like, Dad, it's not deflating. He's like, wait, what? And so, like, I kept poking it, and, like, describing you it. just yeah. furiously poking. Yeah. That's more or less what was happening. Yeah. I was squatting outside my apartment, poking a pile of fungus. That looked like vomit. Dad, and, like, Dad, it didn't deflate. <laughs> yeah. You had so your anyway. own annihilation moment. I did. Are you okay? No. Oh, I, think I will so. never recover. I'm never going to be okay again. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I hope you know there's only like five left. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're killing it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not going to read this part because it is one of my favorite moments of sound design, but it's one of my scariest moments. Uh, so I'm going to save it. Okay. Um, uh, the music in the end. So we're at this point, we've made it to like the lighthouse and everything. Um, this is the note that I was talking about. And, um, so I said the music in this end scene and the way that this thing moves, which would be the alien and the way that it moves with Lena. Um, I said, it's an uncanny valley. Nothing has given me the creeps quite like this movie. And I mean that like no movie has ever made my skin crawl the way this movie does. And I'm sure that that's maybe an unpopular opinion. There's a lot of scary movies out there and I've seen quite a few, but I don't know what it is about this. I think it is the uncanny valley of like. It moves like she moves, but there's just something not quite Off. right about it. So it freaks me out. Um, and then I said the music um, sort of reflects the cell refraction. So like it's so many instruments and it's sounds that don't seem right, but they're coming together to create like one cohesive, not song almost, but like soundtrack for yeah. this movie. Um, and uh, that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah. So like I wanted to talk about lights and camera and, th- and that but i couldn't because it sounded so good yeah i think that they just did such a good job it just felt so yeah. terrifying yeah yeah uh yeah i have a few notes on camera angles which i never have. i know this is great we've kind of like i love this yeah. uh so <laughs> it's in the beginning uh i had a moment where it's like in the beginning when in the world the was young <laughs> Like part Hercules from part Disney. <laughs> when the world was new. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so they're now sitting I'm at the table. <laughs> I will watch Hercules anytime. 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 So um, it's when Kane gets back mm-hmm. and she's hugged him and yeah. he's not reacting at all. And she's like, something's wrong. Yeah. And so he's sitting at the table and there's a glass of water in front of him untouched. And she's like leaning up against a counter. She's like not sitting with him. She's uneasy. The camera is basically like in the hallway down at like eye level with the mm-hmm. table. And he's partially out of frame where yeah. you just see like the front half of him and the table. And it's like you'll see them out of frame like they're not in frame together at the same time because she's so far away from him but yeah. when he is being seen he's only partially there so i'm like he's fractured he's a fraction of what yeah, he once was so good only part of him is there and then like you see their hands touch but it's distorted and refracted through the because water of the water so it's like a distortion of reality And then when she sits at the table with him, the camera is centered to be mostly on her Mm -hmm. and he's still only partially in frame because she is in reality entirely there and he is only partially there. Oh, that's so good. So I was just like transfixed by that moment. That is great. Uh, And then my other notes are not as um, (laughs) insightful. Uh, (laughs) I screamed about the music for like 30 minutes now. Uh, So Ventress, when she first... Mm -hmm. okay. So Natalie Portman wakes up after she's been, like, darted, basically. Yeah. She was given a strong sedative. She wakes up, and she just wakes up ass up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) she does. 
And she's like, I got a vom. So she runs to the bathroom. She's puking. Ventress comes in and she's like, oh, you're vomiting. This is my mom to join you. Let's be friends. We're both women. That's all you need to be friends with me. And it had like that energy where she was like, we're the only two women in this workplace. We're going to be friends. And it's just like, you're not going to be friends. You're not going to be buds. And she like drops that friend act real quick. She's like too tired to hold on to. Uh, Let's see. Uh, and then there's uh, Cass's moment of saying, like, mm-hmm. she's the, oh, is she like a physicist of some sort? She says that it's basically like using confetti to test a hurricane. Yeah. And I thought it was fascinating to tie, like, a hurricane as a destructive force of nature mm-hmm. to the dangerousness and wild nature of the shimmer. Because, again, a hurricane isn't malevolent. It's not malicious. Yeah. Like, it's not a force that is trying to hurt you. It's right. just existing. It's almost like they knew that from the beginning. <clears throat> At least yeah. some of them. Yeah. Um, and then let's see. Uh, I got really hung up on the throat teeth of the alligator. Yes. I just put in all caps, throat teeth. Yeah, throat uh, teeth. Uh, everything has that like oil slick shimmer. Yeah. Like all the lighting in the movie is there's very just, like lush. Yes. And it has like, there's always a rainbow. And yep. so I said, it's like a game of find the rainbow and annihilation is like so pride ready. We really watched this at the right time. Yes, we did. Hell yeah. Uh, and then I call, uh, you know how Lena has a tattoo that slowly appears over time? Yeah. I call it a tat bruise. <laughs> or a bruise a too. Bruise. Yeah. Um, and then Anya's face when she yeah. has tied up all of her comrades yep. and she's interrogating them and she's like calling out Lena. Her mm-hmm. face is like half in shadow and yeah. she's like on the edge. She's yeah. a woman on the edge. She's a woman truly on the edge. Yeah. Uh, and then I was trying to type while watching and not looking. And yeah. so then I came back later and what I was trying to say was that the bear's face had kind of like the shape of an anteater, mm-hmm. like the longness and they the narrowness. The, yeah. Like the stretched out. And so what I was trying to say was it's anteater-esque. What I typed was anteater esquires. <laughs> anteater esquires. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's <Of> good. <laughs> uh, Beautiful. And then there's a hole in the lighthouse. And then I started singing, there's a hole in the bucket. I was just about to. You said hole in the lighthouse. And I was like, there's a hole in the bucket. (laughs) So there's a hole in the lighthouse. Dear Dear Lena, dear Dear Lena. Lena. That's so good. Uh, And then I had like a moment of being frustrated by the masses in the lighthouse. Because like the tendrils were too discreet to me. Where it's like they had very clear endpoints. And like if you look at root systems, they're fuzzy. They're not They're not clean. They're rufflier. They're rufflier. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, the tentacles from the back, sound, womps and blutes. Womps and blutes. Uh, yeah, And then when the form, the alien form, like, becomes, like, comes into existence, I typed, it looked like it was glowing out the ass for a second. It uh, absolutely did. And then the hole is on fire. The whole hole is blazing. The whole hole is blazing. <laughs> That hole was a blaze of yeah. hell. Uh, that was actually one of my last notes. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. It does it does it does end in a hole blaze. So. Yeah, so it's like, ah, oh, flaming holes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had like some serious notes about camera angles. Those camera then, angles notes were incredible. Yeah. yeah. I did not even think about that. I mean, yes, I was a little hyper fixated, mm-hmm. but holy shit, that's great. Yeah. And uh, I did notice a lens flare. That was yes. one thing I did pick up immediately. I was yeah. like, ah, like as soon as they got in, I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and it's also like on the water. So it yep. looks like, like, it's like the oil slick yeah. thing. Like, it looks like an oil spill, but yeah. it's really just everything is refracting back mm-hmm. in all the time. Right. And so it really is just, everything's a rainbow. Oh, and so like, Babadook had his time. Now it's Babadook's annihilation pride. Done. 
Okay? Yeah. It's done. Done. You were a pride icon. Yeah. And you were a gay, a queer icon. And I yeah. think that's great. Yeah. But it's Annihilation's time. Yeah. And I think we let it shine. Yeah. Wow. I think all of us queers should choose Annihilation for pride. So I like, think <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> the theme for pride this year was... <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> this is heteropatriarchy. <laughs> God, I love those this. are my notes. I love this movie, this queer yeah. icon movie. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so of the character that is once invoked as like, oh, I'm gay, by the way, and then it never becomes relevant again. Yep. Yep. As is the way. That's the representation we need. Oh God. Do you have scariest moment? I do. Okay. What What is yours? The bear in the house. Because when, like, when you hear Cass's scream, you know it's not her. No. You know she's dead. Yep. And we do. Yeah. And all that Anya has is Lena's assertion that Cass is for sure dead. Right. And Anya doesn't trust Lena. I love that it comes right after that moment, too. Yeah. And so, like, Anya runs out, and then, oops, there's a bear. Uh, And the bear comes in, and they're all, like, staying still, and it's trying to like goad them or yeah. like trick them it's or like lure it them see or something yeah it's i was like, like it needs to know for sure where yeah. they are and yeah. it, so like it's opening its mouth to like roar but it's their dead friends scream for help Ugh. yeah it mm, i have goosebumps right now yeah i'm telling you nothing gets me like this movie and like everyone basically except ventress because she's barely there um everyone has like their moment in that scene where yeah. natalie the entire time is like trying to do something right because like when anya like runs back away yeah this is not right and so like ventress is also doing things but not to help other people no she wants to leave and get to that lighthouse immediately and lena is still thinking about like i can save other people and then josie is like i can get a gun and so everyone in that scene except for ventress is doing something yeah to help (laughs) and even anya after she's been attacked she runs back runs back yeah and then gets her jaw, jaw ripped, ripped off. off. A fucking and I think that bear incorporates it, her jaw into its face. Pretty sure. Yeah. Oh god. So what's your scariest moment? Um. So it's kind of I don't want to say a tie, but it's um, it's a toss up here because it is the bear. Yeah. Um. I think hearing that again with the let's see that was the note that I skipped. Um. I said this bear always scares the shit out of me. I think I can safely say it's the sound design and music that is my favorite part. Yeah. The bear is the scariest part. With Shepard's voice, it creeps me out so much. I can't stand it. And the the sound design is just incredible. I mean, it's incredible because it's that uncanny valley again where it's her voice, but there's something about it. It's like, like it continues too long. That was a horrible impression. But when she's saying help, it's like help, but then it keeps going as if like it, you know, because the bear's roaring. Yeah. And it also is just like, mimicking something but it doesn't have the original understanding of what that cry was so it's it's just stretching it out and when the help gets stretched out like that it just creeps me the crap out because at first it's help me you get that kind of stretched out and you're like okay but then it's help to the same length of a bear roar yeah but it's just like that's not right oh and it's just upsetting and the way it looks obviously i think the creature design is really great yeah because i mean obviously it's a bear recognizable like kind of from far away like you squint you're like that's a bear but then it gets into that weird thing again where i'm like it's not but it is like people obviously we you and i were very much like oh the bear yeah that's not a bear it's not a bear (sighs) 
Or it's so, not just a bear. But, but then the other part that gets me is the, the, the squirming inside. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily because it's, like, gross or extra scary, but it's the way that they did that to him. Yeah. And they were just like, well, we got to show it. So they're cutting him open and they're, like, reassuring him, like, shh, it's okay, it's okay. Like, oh, we have to do this. And Kane just, like, shows you his insides moving and then just looks into the camera, like, see? And it just, I don't know. It, like, really creeped me out. Yeah. I think it's, like, watching people lose themselves so much that, they, like, they knew that it was too late. And they were like, we should just start showing everything, even though, like, this guy's dead now. <gasps> yeah. We're just documenting our demise. Yeah. Because we're not going to save ourselves. Same with There's no way. The flashbang, where he's like, have you ever seen a flashbang go off? And he's yeah. like, it's pretty bright. And then, boom, he explodes. Yeah. Like, again, it's that uh, I've given up mentality. <laughs> Same with... Josie's death is like one of my favorite moments. I don't want to say scariest when she's like Shepard wanted to do something and she's like Ventress wants to face it. That's it. You want to fight it. You want to fight it. Yeah, I don't want to do and either. And she's like, and I don't want to do either. Yeah. And she walks away and you never see her again. And I think that like that's the most upsetting part is you don't even get to see like a flower form because yeah. if you're not watching this still, which if you haven't at this point, what are you doing? Um, but if you haven't watched at this point, there there are like forms of people that are made out of like flowers yeah. and stuff, almost to imply that like it could potentially be people that weren't evacuated or it's just mimicking like that weird remnants of like yeah. people had been there. Um, so Josie just kind of walks away and it's implied that she becomes one of these flower people. But you don't ever get one. to see her. Because you see, like, a collection of flower people, and it's like, we don't know if she's no. one of those. We because don't know if something else happened. It's not like you see one that looks more fresh than the others. It's not like you see Lena looking at a specific one. You really just see this big field full of flower people, and I think it's so upsetting. Because it's like, Josie just left. Oh, yeah. that is a good moment, too. But the bear takes it. I, I can't find anything scarier than that bear. No. <laughs> and it even gets scarier, like... In retrospect, because mm-hmm. they start to theorize, like, what if part of her consciousness in that moment of death was refracted back into the bear? And so it didn't just steal the sound of her no, voice, like but it's part of that consciousness. Like, it's constantly yeah. living through that moment of my death. Utter like, terror. Oh, yeah. that's upsetting. Yeah. And then I think from the bear up until the end, I think is when it's it's at its creepiest. Oh, yeah. I think it's the bear. Because, like, even the lighthouse part, I had trouble not saying that that was the scariest yeah. part. Because the way that the thing moves and the way it's copying her and then when it slowly turns its face into hers and it's not quite right again, that part was also just fucking terrifying. Mm. And then when they hug each other at the end, spoilers, but their eyes like shift and move and neither, it's like, she's hugging her husband. Uh, It's like Lena and Kane because Lena gets out and the whole thing is like an interview from her point of view sort of to be like, what happened in there? And I love that like the people watching kind of gets bigger and bigger. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. I love that. So like she's doing an interview and like there's just people in hazmat suits like staring at her like, what the fuck? One of my first notes is like, it's always a good sign when always. everyone is wearing a hazmat suit around you. Yes. Yeah. Perfect moment. Yeah. yeah. Like you should feel totally safe and yeah. good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know for sure if it grows or not, but I just know that there's just like a huge crowd of people watching her from yeah. behind like glass while one guy is in the room with her. And she's so calm and they're like, what's, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's because she's not her. Ah, and neither's Kane. Those are all my notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm winded. I'm winded from this movie. I get it. Are you ready for tropes? Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> okay, so I divided them into a few different categories. Mm-hmm. 
So I have like weird horror. Yeah. Um, nature, humanity, and morality as like a unit. Yeah. And then just general tropes. Okay. So the general ones um, are just kind of like your typical horror tropes. Yeah. Not specific to the subgenre. So we have abandoned camp ruins. Yep. Uh, apocalyptic log. When you get like <laughs> the video of like. I thought you meant a log. No. It's not log lady up in here. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I know that you wish it was. I, I do. Yeah. Uh, but it's like when there is a log right. of shit hitting the fan. Yeah. It's like in zombie things when you have like. Yeah. You um, have that like last kind of record of. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like someone's writing like, oh my God, mm-hmm. they're breaking the door. And then like, oh no, right. it stops like. There was like a giant smear of blood and like no right. more words. Oops, wonder it's what like happened. Like you can imply what happened or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cool. Um, also, like I think that an example of this could be in Left for Dead when you're in the safe rooms and you yes. see like all That's the what different I was writings. Say too. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that would count. Yeah. Uh, anachronic order. So like. <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but if you say like an anachronism, that's like something that's occurring out of time. Oh, okay. So like there are a lot of anachronisms in Robin Hood Men in Tights because it's supposed to be that way. Right. And you definitely should not make a drinking game where you drink for every anachronism because that does not have end well. Time. <laughs> Just don't do it, okay? Um, <laughs> but basically it's like whenever the movie or show does not occur in a linear fashion time-wise. Right. So it's like the order of events that you are shown is not the order they happened in. Yeah. So we have it start with um, her being interviewed. Right. And so then it becomes kind of like a how we got here mm-hmm. where it has like... I bet you're wondering how I got myself yeah. in this situation. It's like, a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> it started on Tuesday. No one there likes we Tuesdays. Go. <laughs> uh, and then there's also like a kind of a combination of flashback B-plot. These are three different tropes all about yeah. like the way that the narrative is structured. And, like, you could take out her affair and all of those things, and the sci-fi function would still be there, but it wouldn't have the depth of, like, the isolation and self-destruction and, like, those themes. Right. So that, like, B-plot is actually important because it's not just character development, but it's also, like, providing depth to the narrative Makes sense, yeah. But it doesn't happen. Like, you don't start at the beginning. No. And, like, have time skips. It kind of jumps around a little bit. And there are even a few times where you have... The same scene, but then it becomes nested with another scene, so you see it in more context. Yeah. So, like, you have, like, this quick flash of, like, her being, like, playfully tackled. Right. And you're like, oh, that's cute, whatever. And then you come back and you see, like, what led up to that moment. Right. And, it, like, you could just get more context as yeah. you go on. Uh, then we have the atoner. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, like, it's my phone. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. <laughs> Pat the tit. Um, but... She says she's going and she owes him. Yeah. And at this point, you're, like, not entirely sure. And then, like, right. it's like a scene why? later, it's like, like, oh, she cheated on him. Cool, cool, cool. Right. Because at that point, I was like, I had read the fucking book, and I couldn't remember. And I was like, does she have cancer? I Did forgot. he go to find a cure? Like, <laughs> I forgot, too, when I was watching yeah. this. I was like, because they do that same thing. You talked about the nesting scenes yeah. where it's, like, she's having sex, and you're like, oh, okay. And then you're like, oh, it's not with him. Like, yeah. I see. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, like... That's her. And then you could also make an argument that Ventress is also an atoner because mm-hmm. she sent team after team in there. Yeah. And there's nothing good that you can feel about that. And finally, she was like, it's just my time. Yeah. Like, she said, I have to do it. Yeah. Oh, she's uh, a really interesting character. Yeah. And then you get into be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. because she's like, I just wanted to know what was in the lighthouse and that is past. I no longer want to know what's here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have I mentioned that I am gay? Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Happy Pride. Happy Pride. 
Uh, that was obviously Anya's character, right. where it's just kind of like a quick like thing. Do you have to hit on every girl? And she's like, <laughs> maybe. Like, yeah, right. And I stinker. And I stinker. Then I reject your reality. And then it's like more specific and it's selective obliviousness. Yeah. So after they see the squirming, Anya's like trick of the light. Right. And it, that's a great moment. Yeah. So there are like varieties or like ranges for mm-hmm. I reject your reality. And I think selective obliviousness is best for this one yeah. because it's not that she's rejecting everything. She's just like, I've been a paramedic for how many years? Like, I know that you can see some weird shit. That's just some weird shit, but it's because of like the lighting or right. the filming or like, angles. She's not denying that they saw it. She's yeah. just like, oh, no, no, no. Like, mm-mm. because like it's too painful to imagine that it could be real and that everything she happening. knows potentially in their body so it's like fuck that yep and we don't know if at this point she's seen her hands moving right. <laughs> uh oh. and so like she just does not accept that, that is a right. real thing that they witnessed uh, and then we have recurring motifs so like refraction cancer mm-hmm. reflection right and then no antagonist which i mentioned earlier right uh so then if we want to get into weird horror so dangerously garish environment mm-hmm. so this would be like a deadly candy shop like, things that are, like, okay. super brightly decorated right. or very beautiful right. or, like, just lots of color. It's dangerous, though. It's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so it's very beautiful. Like, the it's flowers so are so vibrant. And, yeah. like, the mold is pretty. Everything's pretty. It's also very I deadly. Hate, I, oh, I hate that that wall of his death is just, it's yeah. like, oh, wow, it's so pretty. Yeah. And then his, like, body is coming out and it's a skull and it's separated. Yeah. And I'm like. Oh, it's fucked up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's like there's like a mold wormhole thing going on here. Right? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eldritch location. Mm-hmm. Uh, reality is out to lunch. <laughs> and that's like laws of physics who? Like, <laughs> ah, stop it. Yeah. More teeth than the Osmond family. That's for the gator. There's so many teeth. So many teeth. Uh, cosmic horror story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, quote, a subgenre of horror wherein the universe is dominated by destructive, unimaginably unimaginably powerful and incomprehensible entities which are apathetic towards humanity at best and outright hostile at worst. Yeah. And so like I am not entirely convinced. That one's yeah. Because it's not like it's not it apathetic. Is, it's like it just doesn't consider them really. Right. So it's, it's like you can't be apathetic if you truly just don't even realize they're there. Yeah. Sort of. Because like clearly when Lena comes in it, it's like oh you're here like it doesn't. It's just learning oh. movements. Right. It's not seeing that she's probably, like, it's just seeing something that it can mirror. Right. And so, like, she's like, I don't think I even knew I was there, like, as a person. No, it, it didn't so, track any kind of sentience as much as it was just, like, another thing that moves. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it feels like a sentient entity mm-hmm. that is just doing its own thing regardless right. of the well-being of the humans that happen to be there. Yeah. We're just bugs, you know? It's like if I tried to mimic, like, a rock. Like, I was yeah. like, no, I don't think the rock is alive. It's whatever. You have a really easy time mimicking a rock. Like, I'm just being right there. Now. Ready? <laughs> There's so <laughs> much emotion good, right? in that. Yeah. You, <laughs> you like really it? captured, like, the horror. I and did look the, scared. Yeah. For some reason, when I, I do a rock, I immediately get a little frightened. But I really like, thought that mine, like, if I had to do a rock, I'd be like, it's really good. You look at peace. Thank you. You, like, you look like you're like, I, think I am a rock. Peace. Yeah. I think some rocks are. Oh, okay. But if they're being picked up by like me, uh-huh, I was doing uh-huh. a rock that's getting ready to be picked up oh, by okay. me. I was doing a road rock. <laughs> Smooth. You looked really good as Going a rock. Going with the flow. <laughs> you looked very immediately like, yes. <laughs> this is what I was sent to. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 
Uh, voice changeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, so um, it's the bear stealing the voice. Oh, yeah. I hate this. And so then I wanted to get into a few, like, nature, humanity, mm-hmm. morality things. So one of them was, like, the topic of cancer. Yeah. And the naming of that trope is supposed to be a joke on topic of cancer. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but someone says, like, a, the person that assigned this trope to the movie said, the whole film is essentially a cancer metaphor applied to first contact. A meteorite crashes on a beach and starts to reform the environment and wildlife around it in a hazardous and aimless manner, right down to the laws of physics. Made explicit by one of the first scenes, blah, 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 lecture about cancerous cells. Right. So, like, one of the things is, like, it's not this malevolent force out to get us. It's just a cancerous growth, which is, again, outside of morality. Right. It's amoral. Right. And, like, like, amoral as opposed to immoral. Yeah. Um, And then there's human are the real monsters. And that's a we are the the virus. virus. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it keeps, like drawing back to the fact that the shimmer wasn't self-destructive until a human showed it how to be yeah it was just creating and changing and then lena was like look what humans can do and it was like i'm gonna set fire to my hole and it was like oh yeah this poor hole (sighs) set fire to the hole this hole is on fire (laughs) a lot of good songs a lot of good songs yeah uh reclaimed by nature yeah so usually that happens in like post-apocalyptic where it's like yeah it had so many vibes from like a post-apocalyptic like taken over yeah yeah and uh, there's a book i read recently a psalm for the wild built and absolutely incredible book Mm -hmm. it's actually i think the start of a series but it's it's just like a very refreshing but also thought-provoking book i highly recommend it i'll put in the extended show notes i'll do uh but it does have, like, humanity realize that, like, fossil fuels and metals and plastics, yeah. not the way to go. So, like, they create, like, all these renewables and stuff, but they still have the old buildings. Right. And because, like, they they took everything they could from them, but at some point something is not degraded any further or yeah. can't be reused. And so they talk about, like, the growths through these old structures yeah. and, like, the reclaimed by nature vibes so on point. My favorite trope. Blue and orange morality. <laughs> and uh, I need to find the graph that it shows. So, you know, like a typical, um, like, uh, not a line graph, but oh, like. Oh, like the, the, the four. X and Y axis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know that sometimes there's a Y axis that is supposed to show like a 3D. Yes. Like, range. Um, let me find. Oh, no. It's very silly. Uh, so we have evil and good. So mm-hmm. like one of the lines, the y-axis is evil, low, right. good, high, lawful, chaotic is the x-axis, and then the y-axis is necktie bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so it's like it doesn't. It's nothing. It's just there. Yeah. You just don't like. There's no understanding it because it's so outside. You can't understand. This. You can't understand the necktie bacon. You can't. Yeah. And so it's not like, oh, gray morality, like everything's in the grays. It's like Sometimes. something isn't like good or evil. It's not like chaotic neutral. It's just... It's just doing its own thing. Entirely separate from our understanding. Interesting. Yeah. I love and that. I thought that was super cool yeah, because... I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the... 
what even is a y-axis that is necktie to bacon like what does it mean so that's blue and orange morality i like that yeah that's good so those are my trumps those are good those are all good (laughs) this is a fun one yeah (laughs) i know it's time to come up with a rating scale and i know we've got a few options Mm -hmm. what were the ones you said earlier that i love uh shimmer squirms blazing holes and anteater esquires (laughs) blazing holes because it all ends in the blazing hole it all ends in the blazing hole and we sang so many songs for the whole we did so so. we might as well honor it i think um i know mine i've been ready you're gonna be like you can't but i'm gonna do it i don't you keep think anyway you think i'll be surprised yeah okay you ready yeah three two two, one one. i knew you were gonna do that (laughs) i i'm gonna start I'm giving it six. I don't care. I'm breaking the rules and nobody can stop me. This makes me want to go back and give the fourth kind zero because I can do whatever I want. There are no rules. I don't know why I was like, well, I can't give it zero. Yeah, I fucking can't limit your blazing holes. I do not limit my blazing holes. And you know what? That one gets zero over large eyeballs. Yeah, fuck it. Um, This movie gets six. I don't care. I love it. Um... I think the sound design is just absolutely incredible if that hasn't been made clear. Um, I think that it's beautiful. I think that the premise of it is really interesting. And I think that they like replicated the plot of this movie in the music. And like you said, with like the cancer cells and like with the camera shots with him being like half there, I just think it's really well made. And it's not just that. I mean, I still have qualms with this movie, obviously, like, don't get me wrong. But nothing has creeped me out like this movie. Yeah. I have not watched a movie that made me so unsettled and like upset. I think about that bear scene. Oh. Um, because I, fir- I first watched this movie maybe about a year or two years ago. Uh, and I think about that bear scene like once a week. Maybe that sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. I Every time it. we talk about a scary movie, I would go, what's scary? Oh, that bear scene's scary. Like always. Yeah. So, sorry, my phone's going to go. Stop. I'll time on annihilation. So... Six. I can't. I, there's no rules. I can do whatever I want. Six blazing holes. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I support you. <sighs> I Yeah. I think. Okay. It's okay. What did you give it, Kate? Okay. I gave it four blazing oh. holes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like, I don't think that they're like glaring errors yeah. or anything. Like I'm not bitter about it not hewing exactly to right. the book. Like it's a different thing. Um, I think my reason that it's not five blazing holes, right. or dare I say six blazing six. holes, uh, is mostly because I think some of the like background for the characters, it just felt like we were given their backstories very quickly, yeah. and they were trying to stuff a lot of meaning into very short scenes. It's like snippets and vignettes instead of like and moments like full, yeah yeah and i love vignettes when they're effectively done so like right. if it's a train to busan thing that was great because like, they put so much emotion in like very mundane activities or yes. very like day-to-day things but like when she's having her moment with dan it's like this very drawn-out thing he's like it's not me you hate just like no i hate you too and it that- it just felt very long and it felt like yeah. they were trying to like show this depth of emotion that I just wasn't feeling. I will say that is one thing this one just doesn't quite get super right. Is that like yeah. I don't really feel for these characters. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't give a shit. But yeah. I understand like that's Yeah. It's kind I, of a letdown that you don't yeah. feel anything, especially for Dan. Like in the part I was like, I don't give a shit about this man. 
And it's like... <laughs> and I should. And he, like, had this moment where he's like, what about your husband? And she's like, what about your wife? And he's like, she's blameless in this. I love my wife. Right. And I was like, then why are you here? Why are you here? And it's like, I don't... Like, I didn't get him. And it felt like they, yeah. we were, they were giving us too much for him to be a background character but too little for him yeah. for us to understand him. especially that line about his like she's blameless in this i'm like yeah. am i supposed to think that that is a shitty thing for him to say I have no idea. am i supposed to feel for him it felt very like who is this guy yeah what am i supposed and that is kind of how it is with all of them yeah like they give you these tiny little snippets of like oh that's why she wears long sleeves she doesn't yeah. want you to see her arms she and then you're like okay well i didn't get that yeah vibe really like you know so, so I just, the characterization and like the emotionally laden backstories yeah. to me just fell short. Totally understandable. Yeah. But I loved the horror. I <sighs> loved like the uncanny valley. I really love when something's just slightly wrong. And then when something's very wrong. Right. And you're like, oh, you're I don't like, even know where fuck. to put this in my brain. Yeah. Love the creature design. Yeah. Um. So like I liked a lot of it. I just thought that in terms of like the characters, that's where yeah. it was weakest. For sure. So four blazing holes, which is a total of 10 blazing that's holes. That's still good. Yeah. You should um, see a doctor about <laughs> you. If you have 10 blazing holes, if you have one blazing hole, guys, <laughs> yeah. get out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if it wasn't for the sound design, I, I wouldn't have liked it quite as much. Yeah. But it's so strong. Yeah. It's so good. Um, when you have that many womps and bloots, can you really complain? Can you really complain? Yeah. No. You no. can't ever have too many womps and buttes. Um, but I guess that wraps it up. Yeah. Wow. So that's our discussion of Annihilation. If you, I had to adjust my glasses. You Did you hear that? I get it. Mean. <laughs> it just sounds insulting. <laughs> if you enjoyed your time with, oh, my voice is gone. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything. I was like, you sound good. You sound great. Don't worry. Everything's fine. If you enjoyed, <laughs> I have very bad allergies. <laughs> okay, so if you enjoyed your time with us, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you listen. It helps everywhere. Yeah. It helps the most on Apple Podcasts, but literally anywhere yeah. you rate and review, incredible. Also, I just like reading them. <laughs> yeah, it's really I fun. enjoy it. And then as Nikki usually says, word of mouth. Word of mouth. So, oh, I had to... You really went for it. I really went for it. I was like... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I got yeah, too no. excited. <laughs> a word of mouth helps a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, just talking about it with anybody, even if you don't like horror that much but you yeah. know someone who does which i don't know how you heard about us if you don't like horror but yeah. i appreciate it yeah but yeah it helps so much to just be like you might like this yeah so thanks yeah you can also follow us on instagram and twitter at just go with it where every wednesday we'll post the movie for the week sometimes we post it on thursday and that's okay too guys sometimes there's a bike in the bathroom <laughs> there's a bike in the bathroom <laughs> you can check out our extended show notes where we put all the memes that we yes. reference and also my, you know, citations and shit. Yes, yeah. Uh, but mostly the, the memes, stuff. yeah. <laughs> uh, those are on our website, justgoolwithitpod.com. You could even take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justgoolwithit. Hell yeah. And we'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, Janice, and Brian. Woo! Woo! Beautifully done. I almost stumbled there. You almost, but they didn't get you. They didn't get me. You nailed it. Thank you. Uh, the intro yeah. and outro music was created by Anthony Roccozella. The cover art. Whoa. It's by our very own Stop Nikki Sullivan. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> was I. <laughs> or am I just a refraction, Kate? <laughs> 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 I tie-in and you were like, what if I just did a turkey impression instead? <laughs> I just love the sounds they make. I 
can't often catch you completely off guard. So whenever I can, I just relish it. I was it. not ready. I did my rock face. I was like, oh, <laughs> what is it? Fear. Do you have to go?